0: Hey, I'm so glad you're interested in checking out the sermon from this past week. I did want to give you a heads up heading into it. We had some technical difficulties with the video and the audio this past Sunday. And so during this sermon, it's going to skip about four or five times. It's not real big, long skips. But it is um, a definite skip where you can tell some content was missed. Um, But hopefully it's not a big deal. We have it worked out and and hopefully won't be a problem again. But just wanted to give you a heads up so that you know that was coming during this message. I hope you enjoy the message and hope you have a great rest of your week. Today we're going to wrap up a series called Say What that we started back in June where we've been working through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Next week we're going to start a brand new series from the book of Philippians. Um, And it is entitled Finding Joy in an Anxious World. And so we're going to work through that over the next couple of months um, in the book of Philippians. So I want to encourage you to to join us for that. Um, So today, as I said, we're finishing up this series from Philippians that we started um, back in June. And the goal of this series has been to reframe and reshape the way that we see the world and the way that we respond to the world. um, the next series kind of says this is an anxious world, and it is difficult at times to navigate. And so many times um, we are, find ourselves angry and frustrated and yelling louder and louder, and our voices just continue to escalate, and the division grows more and more. And the hope is, as we look at the sermon through new eyes, that it would reshape the way that we see the world, the way that we respond to the world around us, that it would change Everything about who we are. Because Jesus' goal in this sermon and really through his life was not to come and start a new movement. It was literally to create a new world. To create a new world here in the midst of this world. And to see your job, your vocation to be part of this kingdom here on earth that it is in heaven. It's not an obligation, but rather it is a divine vocation. And so Jesus is trying to recreate this world. So um, a confession, and if you know me, you probably know this about me. I am a competitive person. I like to compete. And I really like to keep score. And I think back to some times in my life when the score didn't necessarily fall in my favor. Some of the ones that I remember most was, one was in 1997. It was at Texas State. I'm still in counseling for this. I'm working through it. 1997 at Texas Stadium, um, second or third round of the, the playoffs, 5A high school football in Texas, and we lost to John Tyler. I think 14 to 3. I was um, in 2003. Um, My friends invited me to go run a 5K with them, and um, since I was a college athlete, I thought this should probably be no big deal, right? You're going to go run 3.2 miles, it's going to be really easy. And so a week before the 5K, I went and ran a mile, and I was like, all right, that's pretty good. And um, so in the 5K, it was in Benbrook, right outside of Fort Worth, and um, in this 5K, about a mile in, I realized that that was about my capacity, (laughs) It was a mile, and I remember walk running the last 2.2 miles just dying and finishing in like 32 minutes. Or no, I'm sorry, 38 minutes, um, which is really, really slow for someone who's like 23 years old. Um, it shouldn't take you that long. And, and not only was it that long, I was just defeated. So I, I remember these losses, and I, I noticed something. I really like to keep score until I realize the score is not going to end up in my favor. And as long as I'm winning, we're going to keep score, and we're going to make sure that we know that I'm winning. But when the time comes where the score is out of reach and it's something that I don't think I can make up the ground to catch up, then we're going to stop keeping score, Because I'm not really that interested if I can't win the game. I want to win, and I think all of us inside, whether you're competitive or not, we like to win. And so we like to set up the game in our favor so that we know we're on top. And so much of what we do in religion ends up with us trying to win. We we want to win the game. And what we find is we keep, ignore the things we're not so good at. And so if there's something we think we can win as we compare ourselves to other people, we'll check off a box for us. So I come to church every single week. Check. And I sing and I worship and it's great. Check. And I read my Bible and I pray. Check. And I get angry. nor that one. And I don't have affairs on my wife, but pornography might be a problem. So I, I still get to check, because I can see out there all of those who go too far. And we compare, and we contrast, and we try to look at everyone else's life to see exactly where we measure up, because we want to keep score. And we want to know not only where we stand, but we want to know where everyone else stands as well. And the question becomes, if we don't look at those things, because our go-to is rules and rituals. And it has been since really the beginning of the law. As God gives the law to Moses on Sinai, and He says, here's these Ten Commandments. Full do is they pick out the ones they're really good at and they ignore the ones they're not so good at and that's a temptation for me and that's not so i'm going to look at this one and ignore this one rules and rituals are our scorecards and jesus comes along here in this sermon and he seems to say here's the rules and the rituals and you've missed the point Because the rules and the rituals were never really about keeping score. They were never really about seeing where you stand. The rules and the ritual, the whole point of it was to change your heart. Was to change who you are, that it would affect everything about yourself. That it would change the way that you see the world. But we still have those questions. Who's winning? Who's losing? Who's in and who's out? How do we know? Because if we don't have the rules and the rituals, what is it that we look for then? And so as we come to this end of the the series and this end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to summarize, I think, what He's been saying the entire time. And we're going to kind of look at these sections, but there's this word that we talked about last week, and it's the word discernment. And discernment is all about wisdom. It's not about judging right, wrong, but it's a question of wisdom. Is it wise? There's two roads. And discernment is asking the question, which road is the right road? Which road am I on? There's two prophetic voices. Which prophetic voice is right? There's two types of disciples. Which disciple? There's two houses. Is about choosing wisely. As Jesus presents these dichotomies, these opposing narratives that we have the choice to live as a part of. So we're going to start Matthew 7 verse 13. He says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So what you find here is there is this gate, a narrow gate and a wide gate. And the narrow gate leads to a narrow road and the the wide gate leads to a wide row. And the question is, okay, well, what's the gate and what is the road? And I think it's something that as you step back from the sermon, you start to see that there have been two gates and two roads this whole time. Remember, Jesus starts out with this blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn. Blessed are the ones that don't look like they have it all together. As opposed to the ones who are on top. The ones who are winning. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill. You are the salt of the earth. You are the ones that stand out, that point people to Jesus. But there are others that point people to themselves. There, there are these ones that look like they are righteous and holy. And we look at it and say, that's it. But those are the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. But there are other people that are righteous, not because they follow the rules, but because their hearts have been transformed and changed by Jesus. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery or do not divorce your wife. Do not commit adultery. But he talks about faithfulness. He puts these two opposing roads right next to each other the whole time. And then he talks about some people who pray and fast and give. And what's fascinating is people on both roads pray and fast and give. But, but some of them do it with the wrong intention. They do it with the wrong motives. They do it so that everyone sees them. And yet there's another group who's over here praying with sincerity, God have mercy on me, a sinner. These two roads emerge. And Jesus simply asked the question, which road are you on? Are you on the one that everyone else finds themselves on that is all about you and being seen and winning the game? Are you on this other road that every day is step-by-step following Jesus and Him transforming and changing everything about who you are? So there are these two roads he says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road to life, and only a few find it. Going on to verse 15, he says, watch out for the false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves, and by their fruit you will recognize them. This is where discernment comes in. Being able to see what it is and what is it that you look at? You look at the rules and the rituals, right? You make sure they're, they're doing everything right just by the book. And he says, no, 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 no. By their fruit, you will recognize them. By what comes out of their life in relationships, you will recognize them. By the, the words that come out of their mouth, you will recognize them. Because it's really easy and come on, we're, we're church people, we're good at this. It's really easy to put on a show. It's really easy to be arguing and fighting and anxious and angry and drive into the parking lot and put your car in park and turn it off. And when your car turns off, your smile turns on. And you walk through these doors hey, how's everything going? Great. How's your life? It's good. Everything's fine. It's possible to play a game. And it's possible to look really religious and have no relationship with God. It's possible for a preacher or a worship minister or an elder to play the game. And I think every one of us in this room, if we were really honest, and those of you online as well, if we were really honest, we play the game a lot more than we would like to admit. We like to look like we're winning and that everything in our life is in order. But what is that fruit? I think Galatians, as we looked at the fruits of the Spirit last summer, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We, we look at their lives, and we ask the question, well, what's coming out? What's being produced? He says, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Going on, verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not necessarily the ones who look like they have it all together. Not necessarily the ones that we would say, "Well, they're here every time the door' open." or, or they're worship or they're a good teacher?" Because we have all our boxes that we check. We want to know who's winning the game he goes on to say this, not everyone, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. And and that passage is so... um, just hits you in the face. You come to the end, and Lord, Lord. And, and here's what's crazy. is At the end, you have people who were prophesying in the name of Jesus. And, and you have people that were casting out demons. And you have people that were performing miracles. And you have people that were praying. And you have people that were fasting. And you have people that were giving so what is it that separates them? And I think as Jesus has been saying through the entire sermon, it comes back to a question of the heart. It comes back to a question of your motives. Are you just playing the game so that you're winning and you got the rules and the rituals down? Or has Jesus literally come into your life and transformed your heart and changed everything about your world and the way that you see the world? Or is it all about the game? Who's in? Who's out? Who's winning? Who's losing? Where do I stand? And then, how we started the whole series... The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. To, to spend your life on something that matters, to build something that will last, something that will have a foundation that will stand. Jesus says there's two roads. There there are two prophetic voices. There are two types of disciples. There are two types of builders and two houses. And discernment is needed to tell which one you are on. There are two types of spirits in the world. There is the spirit of the adversary or the accuser, the Satan, and then there is the Holy Spirit that is an advocate and a helper, and it requires discernment. It requires being able to look and see. Right now, you look at the media and you look at the news outlets, and it requires discernment because there is so much information being thrown at you from every angle. There are accusations made every single day. The question is, what spirit does it come from? The spirit of the advocate or the adversary? The spirit of the accuser or the spirit of the helper and the comforter? And your job as a follower of Jesus is to discern. It's to choose. It's to look at the roads. And here's Jesus' point. It's not to discern what's right and wrong with them. That is, to an extent, yes. But his primary purpose, his primary objective, is for you to look at your life and discern what is going on within you It's not to look at them, and it's not to tell them where they're wrong. It's to look at you, and you fix you, because if you'll fix you, and everyone else will worry about fixing themselves, the world begins to look new, because the game that we're playing right now does not work. All that happens is the divides get bigger and bigger as the voices get louder and louder, At some point, we have to come to the realization that the game we're playing is not right. And what we've thought in our mind, I mean, remember back, early in the sermon, chapter five, verse 20, Jesus says this, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. There's this verse where it says, to the people who look like they have it all together, the ones who can check off every box, who know all 613 laws, the teachers, the Pharisees, the ones who look so righteous and so religious, then unless your righteousness is different than theirs, because theirs is wrapped up in the rules and the rituals. It's not wrapped up in the heart. Unless your righteousness surpasses them, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And see, as I was reading this, something, something occurred to me. This sounds a lot like the wisdom tradition of Proverbs. It, it, Jesus is, is wrapping up the sermon, and it sounds so much like what happens in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. Because in Proverbs, you have wisdom presented as a lady, and you have folly presented as a lady. And and they're out in the street. I'm going to read just a little bit, and this is not on the screens. I just want you to listen to these words. This is from Proverbs 7. My son, keep my words, and store up my commandments within you. Keep my commands, and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them. On your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, You are my sister, and to insight, You are my relative. And it talks about this woman who's out in the streets walking around, inviting people to come and drink and to sit at the table and embrace the wisdom that she offers. It's this invitation come, come sit at my, my table and eat food and drink deeply of wisdom and it will give you life. But the problem is there's another lady in the street and she's a little more brazen. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the streets, now on the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face she said, today I will fulfill my vows. I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I come out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with color linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love until morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not home. He's gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till the full moon. With pervasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. Now, listen to this. All at once, he followed her, like an ox going to slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierced his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing, listen, listen, little knowing it will cost him his life. And the Proverbs writer says, There are these two ladies. One is standing at the corner saying, Come, sit at my table and eat. And here you will find life. And the other offering the same thing. Come, eat. But yet these seductive words entice and attract. And it leads to this table that looks like a beautiful banquet. And, and I love the scene he paints in, in chapter nine. As the writer says, they come into this banquet table, and it's fixed with food, and it looks like life is flowing. And then I just imagine this is a scene in the plate where the cameras start to pan out because at first it's focused in on the the banquet table and the food that's there, and it's focused on the lady inviting you to sit down and pulling out your chair and inviting you to sit, and you look, but the camera pans out more, and it says that everyone sitting at the table is dead. They're in the depths of the grave. Because this journey that you took, that you thought was wisdom, that you thought would lead to life, that you thought was winning? The Proverbs writer says, but little did he know. It would cost him his life. See, here's the problem when we play the game. At some point along the journey, the game becomes so much of what we're doing That it stops shaping who we are. Because we have our scoreboard behind us the whole time, trying to see where we stand and how we stack up to everyone in the game. And so, Jesus' questions here are not really for you to answer about them. Which road are you on? They're really to answer about yourself. Which road are you on? The wide or the narrow? Which prophetic voice are you? Which disciple are you? Which house Which builder are you? What is the foundation on? Because I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the teachers and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Listen, our world is growing tired of the arguing and the fighting and the division And right now, we need more than ever the people of God who have built our foundation on the rock and find our life in King Jesus and believe that He is the way, the truth, and the life and believe that His kingdom has come and will never end and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. We need those people who are on the narrow path to stand up and be a voice of reason and discernment in a world that is messed up. Because as I said, we're growing tired, everyone, of the arguing and the fighting. But here's the deal. God never called you to sit and argue. He called you to be the light of the world. He called you to go and stand in the midst of the darkness and through your life bring change to this world because they see the glory of God living in and through your life. And that the world would be a different place because you, the light of the world, are there in the midst of darkness and the light cannot be unnoticed. That is what you and I have been called to to be different to be a voice of hope, to be a voice of reason, to look different than everyone else, to submit our life to King Jesus and allow Him to transform us. And the only way that ever happens is when we die to ourself. Because until you die to yourself, you can't stop playing the game. And I, I say it quite often, but these waters behind us, that's exactly what they represented you saying that it's not about me and me winning the game, because Christ has already done that. and I'm submitting my life to Him, and I'm being buried in Him and being raised in His life, and I'm a part of this new kingdom. That's what it's always been about. Do you, do you remember? Let me, let me just ask you for a second, close your eyes. Do you remember when you started following Jesus? Like think, I mean, and I know for some of you, it's a long way back. Do you remember when you were baptized, when you said, "I'm going to make Jesus my Lord"? How'd you feel? Were you excited? Were you filled with joy? Were you made new? What was it like that day? Because my guess is today you probably don't feel like you did then. My guess is over time you've been playing the game for so long and putting on the mask and putting on the smile. And showing up because you're supposed to. And somewhere along the way, you lost the joy that your salvation brought you. Because as we began that journey, there was this sense of excitement that we're going to do something amazing for God, and that God is going to use us. And God is going to to use us as a light in this world, He's going to make us salt. And somewhere along the way, we got used to it. And we just started showing up week after week after week after week. Can I encourage you as we finish this series? Remember your first love. Because right now, Politicians are trying to tell you, here's where your hope is. And people on Facebook are trying to remind you that the world is broken and it has no chance of hope. And there's riots, and there's violence, and there's fighting, and everyone is saying they have the way. But may I remind you, We are followers of the way. And his name is Jesus. Right now, more than ever, we need these words to shape our life. To shape the way that we respond to the world around us. A world that is dying. That that we would get our identity from God. that, That we wouldn't have to be searching for it everywhere. As we, we said, when you lose sight of the vertical identity you've been given in Christ, you will start to search for it everywhere horizontally. We start to look and ask people, who am I? Let me just remind you, you are a child of the King. You are a child of God, and He has called you to go into this world, to be salt And to be light and change the world? Will you return to that love for Jesus? Will you go back to the way it was when you began this journey? See, because that's the beauty of this journey. That that every morning, his mercies are made new. And every morning, is a chance to begin again with life in Christ. Father, today, we pray that you would bless us richly. And Father, we're so sorry for the game that we make it at times. All of us, including myself. Where we put on the mask, we show up, and we just say everything is good. And we try to look the part without actually having the transformation of heart. God, would you change our hearts? Would you change our lives? Would you transform us today more into the image of Jesus than we were yesterday? Father, we love you. We're so grateful for what you've done for us. And God, we pray your blessing on us today. In Jesus' name, amen.